your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 212 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood and a very special guest that we'll get to in a minute. What are we doing? It's World Junior Preview the day before. Yes, the World Juniors start on Christmas rather than Boxing Day for the first time since 2005. So we've enlisted Sends prospects. Henry Brown joins the show. He's already a friend of the show, so we'll get right in to all the Senators in the tournament. There's four, and they're all going to play a big role. We'll also touch on the NHL schedule that's released and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, December 24th. A Merry Christmas Eve to all those who are celebrating, but really, it's just pure anticipation for tomorrow. Both Tim Stutzla and Jake Sanderson in action on the first day of the World Juniors. Pilsy, I'm going to go to our special guest today first. Henry, how you doing and how much are you looking forward to that Stutzla-Sanderson back-to-back action at the World Juniors? What is up, fellas? I am doing great. Thank you. Uh, excited to be here. And yeah, it is, uh, it is the most merry time of year. I can't believe we get World Junior action on Christmas Day. Yeah, and Henry, it's been a while since we've had you on. I think last time was last year's World Junior. And I, hey, we've, we've shouted it out a bunch of times, but we got to get you to give us one quick gambling uh, advice because last year you said, hammer the fact that Shane Pindle is going to get a tipped goal in this tournament. And it happened. It was the first goal of the tournament, I think. I know. I, I wish I'd, I'd thrown some more shekels on there, as you like to say there, uh, Pilsy. But some, some wagers I've already sprinkled for this one would be uh, leading goal scorer at the tournament. There are some good odds on both Cole Caulfield and Arthur Kaliev. Not Sens prospects, but uh, good, good prices there, good lines. So um, that's, that's the two that I'd recommend checking out. Nice. I sprinkle a little on Robbie Arventi, more so as a fan than anything, but who knows? He can get hot at the right time. And then just like you happened with Pinto last year, that bouncer that went right over his stick. I was like, if he starts his first shift of the pre-tournament with a goal, we could be onto something. But for me, Robbie Arventi, yes, he's going to get a great opportunity with Finland, but I'm most excited about those USENZA and uh, down south with Jake Sanderson. Tyler Clevin, I thought he had a good showing for himself in his pre-tournament game, what'd you take away? You were all over gifting that game at Sens Prospects. Yeah, it was a little bit of a pre-tournament game for myself too. It's been a while since I've had to do some some live action uh, clips of games. And, um, you know, I'm always a little bit iffy too with uh, IIHF events. They can be a little bit protective of, of rights and stuff. So I, I, you know, never wanted to step on any toes there. But uh, that was that was a great pre-tournament game. Uh, I thought it was is fast-paced, um, probably more exciting even than Canada Russia was uh, last night. And um, yeah, it was great to to see three sense prospects in action on on two teams. Yeah, and with Team USA, they uh, they went a very different route than usual with uh, their roster with eight defensemen dressed. What kind of role do you think Tyler Clevin's going to have here if they continue to go uh, heavy on defense and maybe they're going to swap guys in and out of the lineup on the back end? How do you think Tyler Clevin fares here? 
Yeah, that was, uh, it was weird to see how full their bench was uh, for the pre-tournament game. And, and Clevin, you, you just look at the lineup card, right? I think he's the, the tallest guy by a couple inches. He's the only defender over 200 pounds. So it's got to be that sort of shutdown role. Um, and he's just, just got to make simple plays. I think it was, was Ross who highlighted that in that game, Finland seemed to have their game plan to be dump it into Clevin's corner, make him make the play. And he was not uh, making things complicated for himself or his teammates. It was just make the simple play and clear the guys out from the front of the net as needed. And I thought he did a great job of that. I think it helps a lot that it's an NHL size ice surface. So guys can't run and hide in the corners like you can if it was last year in the Czech Republic on the wider ice surface. So that suits Clevin's game just fine. And they, they won't admit it at Team USA, but they do have a bias to players who went to the U.S. development program and ultimately play college. And you look at those two defensemen who got called in last minute, Hunter Skinner is an OHL kid, so maybe he doesn't get the opportunity that Clevin does being in the system for as many years. And Jake Sanderson, man, as advertised, poised, personified. He's just so smooth at the blue line. What was your takeaway on his offensive game? We saw that beauty assist there too. It's been an absolute treat to watch Jake Sanderson, both for you know the uh, Nodak sends and now in this first pre-tournament game. Um, you can see why this kid has been described as a coach's dream. He's just got the, his IQ is off the charts. Like anytime you are watching Team USA at this tournament, try to find Sanderson when he's on the ice and just follow him, follow what he's doing even when he doesn't have the puck. He's just putting himself in the best position to succeed almost every shift, it seems. And uh, yeah, the, the offensive side of his game definitely didn't seem to be, um, you know, sort of the the selling point for Sanderson, but he's got power play time already at, at North Dakota and the way that he was sort of walking the line a few times against Finland, obviously that play to set up uh, Caulfield's goal, right? Highlight real finish, but that puck doesn't, doesn't get to him without the smart, smart play by Sanderson. Yeah. To Sanderson. And that's the thing with him. Like he's, he's as advertised and then he even exceeds expectations in, in small flashes of brilliance. Now, fifth overall pick in this year's draft, would you say that he's probably the best defenseman in this entire tournament? Not only for this tournament, but for years to come, we are going to be watching Jake Sanderson versus Jamie Drysdale very closely. So time, time will tell he is, he's definitely top three and I think everyone will have a lot stronger opinion once the tournament's over, once you get to see sort of in this level playing field, you can, you can really compare uh, a, few different, a few different players, but uh, he, he's obviously right up there. Oh, man, he's so much fun to watch. We'll be keeping an eye on those guys very closely, but none closer than finally 80-plus days after the draft, seeing the crown jewel, Tim Stutzla, in action with Team Germany. We know they're ravaged with both COVID tests and Maurice Sider being unavailable for the tournament. He's too important to his team as a 19-year-old in the SHL right now. But what are expectations realistically going to be for Timmy Superstar at this tournament? Yeah, that's uh, not only losing Sider, and then they, they lose Lucas Reichel as well to COVID, in addition to the guys that, that, that kind of got dinged before they came to Canada. Who knows if these other German players are going to be able to all kind of exit this COVID quarantine um, successfully. So they were already, you know, long shots and uh, they've been a bit decimated. And then as for, as for Timmy superstar, right again, when was the last time he played in a meaningful real game that said, I think all eyes in Ottawa are going to be absolutely glued on him uh, for that, that first puck drop on Christmas day to see how he does. He will be the driving force behind 
any success that Germany might have, him and JJ Paterka are going to have a massive load to shoulder. Yeah, 100%. And when it comes to Timmy, I'm just looking for him to, to be poised out there because it might not go his way, especially. It's almost like the schedule, which we're going to get to as well. But the Senators opening the season two days later than every other team. We didn't even get to see Timmy play in that pre-tournament game, just making us wait a little bit longer. Are you going to be um, paying? Of course, you'll pay attention. But are you going to really take a lot off of how many points he produces in this tournament? Or are you just looking for the fundamentals, his skating and, and offensive awareness to be at, at peak? Yeah, I think all of, all of the sense prospects, it's, it's points will be sort of a bonus. Dutzel and, and Jarventi for sure, sort of, you're going to be a bit disappointed if they don't actually produce some numbers. But, um, you know, taken with a grain of salt, what, uh, what Stutzel is, you know, hasn't been able to play much lately that uh, I don't think it'll be the end of the world if, if he's not producing a ton. But that said, I still, like, he was already a driver at the last World Juniors. Uh, I can't wait to see what he does this year. So Stutzel's, I mean, it's been a long time since he's played, but he's coming from the DEL, so professional league with men, and now he's going down to uh, facing his peers, much younger, much smaller, much less experienced players. But then you look at, yeah, his supporting cast for Team Germany is not as great here. Is he going to be able to, like, kind of deal with probably double double players on him, teams really game planning, planning against him? Do you think he's going to be able to deal with that since he's kind of used to uh, a pro league style game, or is he going to struggle from inexperience and uh, not much support around? Him? I think it depends on the the competition that he's up against. Some teams definitely are going to have uh, stronger decors that are going to be able to really uh, suppress and really game plan around him. Whereas some of the, maybe the weaker nations, they could game plan all they want, but uh, you know the rosters that they're icing just are not on his level. So. Um, that's, that's for sure. Something to keep in mind though, is that with these, these players that Germany could have expected to have, but is not going to have in the lineup that just makes it all that much easier for their opposition to make sure that their top defensive forwards and defensive defensemen can really try and shut down Timmy. Well, something interesting uh, to note as well, because everyone talked about that chemistry that last year was Stutzla playing center with J.J. Paterka and Lucas Reichel. Well, J.J. Paterka's not there, but replacing Reichel on the top line is Florian Elias. And I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right, but there's familiarity there too. They've actually played in the youth organization at Alder Mannheim together for the last three years. So uh, there is some chemistry, hopefully, that they can lean off of there because talent-wise, starting the tournament against Canada and Finland, other way around, but back-to-back is no easy test for a depleted team without any pre-tournament action. So hopefully all the those eight Germans are healthy. They can get back in the lineup. We actually recorded yesterday before the news came out. So just to report that, I guess, as a day later, so breaking moves, but Tim Stutzel was not among the eight Germans who tested positive. So that is great news in itself. After the World Juniors, I think all bets lean towards Tim Stutzla joining your Ottawa Senators. And hey, Henry, does that actually maybe help Ottawa starting two days later than everyone else? That extra little quarantine time for Timmy? Sure. I, I don't see why, uh, why it wouldn't. And yeah, uh, like, like you guys mentioned earlier this week, right? It, based on what, uh, what, what DJ Smith was saying, it sounds like all signs point to Ottawa for, for Timmy once this, this tournament is over. 
Who would you like to see him start training camp with if he gets inserted there? It looks like he's going to start on the wing. I know, at least on this show, we're very pro get him playing the middle of the ice if that's where he's going to play going forward. But assuming he does start on left wing, who would you like to see him start with? That's a great question. I'm almost tempted to say, let's see what happens with uh, someone like a Colin White as his centerman, right? Maybe not uh, the first thought, but, you know, White is definitely coming off you know, a, a less, less stellar than expected season from, from everyone's lens. But before that, right, he, he really had an impressive campaign the year prior. I think he's going to be coming out with a lot to prove. He did have, um, you know, a lot of offensive potential and, and flashes earlier in his career. So, um, you know, now that he's a little bit of a veteran in that Sens locker room, as weird as it might be to think, um, you know, why not pair him with, with the, the rookie superstar to, maybe show him the ropes, but also maybe ignite his, you know, scoring touch because, Hey, Ottawa's got this guy, Colin White signed for, what is it? Four or five more years still. Yeah. Hopefully uh, Timmy Stutzler could help Colin White if they do get paired together. Personally for me, I, I think there's a couple interchangeable lines you could do, but for me, I think the thing that must happen is we got to get Timmy Stutzla playing with Evgeny Dadnov. Like, I just see the chemistry between those two. Like, for me, I see Timmy Stutzla as a facilitator. He's going to be making plays. Uh, he often gets way more assists than he does goals in the DEL and in his last World Junior Tournament. So, Get him with the guy that can put the puck in the back of the net. And then you get the veteran uh, leadership a little bit more there too, right? Like I think a lot of Sens fans are dreaming of putting, uh, you know, like you could have Stutzla, Norris, and Batherson together or, or some kind of young, flashy line. But then you don't have that veteran presence. Are you worried that maybe the Senators will uh, get a little too creative with the lines and maybe sprinkle too much young talent on a single line? Or do you think they're going to spread things out that way? I don't know if history is any indicator. I feel like the senators have a bit of a history of letting fans down on, when it comes to, you know, maybe grouping a bunch of prospects together. Um, you know, I think the idea of even having something like a Nick Paul, Logan Brown, Drake Batherson line in the NHL, we'd love to see that because they were just so dominant in the American hockey league. Right. But yeah, as far as, as Stutzel, maybe if it's not Colin, I like the idea of Dadanov on the wing. Otherwise, who who else would you even have there at right wing? Maybe Drake Batherson, but that, like you said, then you kind of have two guys that that excel more on the playmaking side of things, less on less less finishing. So um, it's an interesting challenge for uh, for DJ Smith, and I'm curious to see what sort of roster construction he comes up with. Well, the other option on right wing too, Connor Brown could get a look there. Maybe a bit more defensively responsible can help with those sort of um, responsibilities in the D zone. But when you look at Connor Brown's game, rather, he finished the year pretty strong, I thought. He had five goals in his last 10 games. So you look at that sort of offensive production, you're, you're signed him now for three years. Maybe you give Connor Brown an opportunity. And as you said, maybe even Colin White down the middle. I don't mind that as a, a second unit when you can have Brady Kachuk on the top line with who Derek Stepan, et cetera. Those rumors are wild. But uh, whoever you do end up playing with Brady, you know that that's going to be a positive outcome line just because Brady's that dominant speaking of him actually I'll ask you that quickly what kind of numbers should we expect from Brady now in his third year in the league contract year two trying to secure the bag I think I think Brady uh, is going to get the Senators to back a Brinks truck up to him whenever this season is over regardless of sort of what his production numbers might look like and and all fans will be happy with that 
one key area I think we're going to uh, we're going to reflect on when the season is done is look at Brady's penalty minute total, right? If this is just like a series of short, like playoff type matchups, baseball style series, the rest of Canada is going to hate him. Uh, you know, w- whether it's going to be Brady or Matthew, I don't know which Kachuk the uh, the other fan bases are going to hate more, but. You know, in a di- you know, even if he is spending a lot more time in the penalty box or maybe getting some 10-minute misconducts at the end of games, uh, I'm still expecting him to be a driver points-wise, especially goals, right? It, there's, there's not too many guys who can finish around the net like Brady. So um, another year means he's, he's going to be that much stronger, that much more comfortable in the league. I think, uh, I think we're in for a show. These series-style games are going to be really interesting. What I've kind of been uh, thinking about lately with these series-style games is obviously you've got Matt Murray, your bonafide number one starter, but then you've got Marcus Hogberg as the backup, a little bit less experienced, although we saw he put up a good showing in uh, the games he was in last year with little support. How many that games? overtime against Detroit stands out. Remember, they were just peppering him over and over. He's diving left, right, and center, and ultimately they couldn't pull it off. That was, what, one of his 10 overtime losses? Yeah, I think he had at least eight. At least eight. Um, so how, how many games do you think we could see Marcus Hogberg play here? Like, it's, it seems kind of difficult to expect Matt Murray to kind of play a, a whole four-game series against some teams. You're going to have to get Hogberg sprinkled in there. And do you think he's going to be able to – Uh, maybe play with a little bit more confidence knowing that he's not the number one guy, which basically he was at that point at the end of the season with all the injury problems. So knowing he's in a backup role, do you think that's going to help him here? Yeah, I think having at least that certainty, hey, that you are are going to be in the NHL full-time for this season is going to be a bit of a a mindset shift for Hogberg. I would love to see a prop bet on his, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it starts, not appearances, because with this this sort of compressed schedule, you got to think that that goalies are are going to need more time off than normal because they're not going to have that traditional recovery time between games. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him him play twenty five ish games, uh, but also maybe something closer to twenty is a bit more realistic. But um, we'll see. And and you know, I think the main thing is hopefully Matt Murray can just stay healthy for this. What it's going to be um, a sprint, really. Yeah, 56 games for each team in 116 days. So buckle up for that. And getting into that schedule was released yesterday. The Ottawa Senators, we mentioned they start two days later, but they start with a bang. Two battles of Ontario, back-to-back, and then three against Winnipeg. Two at home, and then travel, stop in Winnipeg for one game on the way to Vancouver for three. Now, when these schedules came out, I'm looking around saying they don't even know they're allowed to play there yet. But according to Darren Dreger this morning, as we're recording just after 1030 on December 24th, looks like that won't be an issue anymore. And Frank Saravelli is probably smashing his keyboard because he just wrote a long article saying how nothing's decided. So good news going into Christmas, assuming this is the case. How do you feel the Sens are going to do in that series style situation? Because Pilsey noted that with this physical group and the way DJ Smith coaches, you know, they're going to be hard on the forecheck every single shift. Do you think that we're going to see them win more of the second and or third game of the series versus the opener? A, that's a really interesting um, thought too, right? Uh, and I, I really like the, the season preview that you guys did with the other locked on uh, hosts yesterday, right? But uh, we're going to get real familiar with a lot of these other teams and you know, I think the, the consensus feeling among Sens fans is that Ottawa is going to surprise this season, right? They're going to be in games. They're going to keep them close. And I think, I think you're right. It's, it's maybe 
a bit of a heart, heartbreaking loss in game one, but then in that second or even sometimes third game of these series, that's where um, Ottawa Ottawa is is going to have to be, you know, their margins are razor thin, right? But like you said, last season, DJ Smith showed that uh, he's able to sort of make a lot with what he's given. And uh, especially looking at Ottawa's potential decor this year, I think that's that's really going to be a key if there's going to be any success to be had. Well, Ryan Quinn uh, replying to us on Twitter at Send Central saying Brown or Gabranson should grab Wee Willie Nylander first game and pump him just to set the tone. So that's the kind of action you could get in an all-Canadian division, Phils. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind if they grab Mitch Marner at the same time too, teach him a quick lesson, let him know Why? how he's things not are going to be. He admits, admitted it himself. <laughs> he's like, I need to be more engaged in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'll I'll never forget. I forget uh, what day it was, but uh, it was Sens Leafs, and the game went to overtime. And Mitch Marner had the biggest dive I've ever seen on such a soft touch. And then, of course, they get the power play and win it. So I'll, I'll never forget that. So I want them to teach Mitch Marner a lesson. That's for sure. Was that the same game where mid play he just stopped and started tying his skate? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. What a guy, clown. We've got at Sens prospects here, so let's get to some Sens prospects. Someone I've been really trying to pump their tires and try to convince people that uh, not to give up on him too soon is Eric Brandstrom. Where do you see him starting the season? Like For me, I wouldn't be upset if he started the season in Belleville and eventually graduated to the NHL, but also I think it would be a great move for the Ottawa Senators to give him a chance right off the hop and let him know that uh, they, they support him and that they want to set him up to succeed. Where do you see him starting the season? Yeah, you, when you look at that, that roster that Ottawa has on D, it's definitely a bit of a log jam. And you start to think, well, maybe some of these guys that it's easy to send them, you know, back down to Belleville or something. It just uh, wouldn't, would make life maybe a little bit easier to start the season without them in Ottawa. But I think Brandstrom is, is pretty much there. Um, and it's, it is so interesting. This, it almost confuses me, this narrative that Brandstrom is, you know, busting in, in some sense, right? Like you look, he was just drafted in 2017. Look at how many other defensemen from that draft have played more NHL games than him. In fact, there is only one defenseman, two defensemen from that draft who have played more than 82 games, right? So it is just, he, he's still so young, so early in his career. And the, the comparables in, in terms of stats for what he's done, you know, already having played two full pro seasons in the American League with a bit of NHL time, um, and then going over and fitting right in in a competitive pro league in, in Switzerland for the past couple months. Um, I'd really like to see him start the season in Ottawa and sort of force his way into, into a spot that some people might think, oh, it's easy to just send him down to Belleville. Well, no, let's keep him in Ottawa, put him on the power play, and let him really sort of build his confidence. Not to put you on the spot, but I asked you for line combos with Stutzla. So if Brantcher makes the team, we kind of know, not kind of, DJ said that Gabranson's going to start with Shabbat. Who would you like to see start with Brantstrom? Is it a guy like Josh Brown, who's big, mobile defenseman? Or do you kind of take a chance with the experience of Nikita Zaitsev? Or gold medalist, Artem Zouk? Well, and just quickly, do you put him on the left or right side? That's another question. Yeah, that is a great question. And uh, there seems to be a little bit of uh, disagreement between Brandstrom preferring to maybe play his, his off wing and the Senators liking him actually as, as a lefty. So we'll see what happens there. I think whoever it is that you want to put him with, it's got to be someone that is 
I'd say a bit more of, of the stay-at-home type defenseman, which I think all the guys that, that you just listed there probably fit that bill. Zoom. I wish Nikita would stay at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of sense fans do. Uh, Zub, Zub, however you say it. Uh, what an intriguing um, option. I'm not sure that that is the best pair right now. You kind of want someone who's a little bit more comfortable with some NHL experience. So Josh Brown could fit that role, right? It's almost like Josh Brown might be just sort of that that guy who's centered, planted in the middle of the ice, whereas Branchum's kind of like a little bit of a roadrunner, kind of going all over the place. And if if he happens to turn the puck over, his partner is going to be there to, to bail him out. Okay, now I want to get to uh, kind of kind of my next mission of guys I'm trying to pump the tires with. I think it's been very clear. I've been a Rudy Balsers guy since day one. A lot of people, I feel like, are giving up on him as well. What kind of chance do you see him to have at an NHL level? And do you think he beats out the likes of Philip Schlappick, Abramov, Formanton? Like, where do you see him kind of ranking uh, in in who's going to get an NHL spot soonest? Yeah, that's a, it's a really intriguing mix of players that you just outlined there, too. And um, I think it was it was one of you guys who might have said that uh, that Balsters is sort of like what you call a, a quad A player in baseball. They're too good for AAA, but they're not quite effective at the MLB level. And you know the 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 parallels there with Balsters are pretty clear, right? He was looked like he wasn't even trying in Belleville last year and went on this insane. He was getting a point every game for for weeks on end, right? That said, right? Does he sort of have that that next level and a few other intangibles to make him a full time NHLer? I don't, I don't know yet. I'd love to see it, but um, I think I'd, I'd even have Abramov ahead of him. And that being a bit of the competition would be between those two guys. Then you have someone like Chalapik, who is more of like a, a role player, wouldn't be relied on as much in an offensive production type um, role like Abramov or Balsers might be. And I tend to think guys like Formanton and Norris are just going to get parked down in Belleville for another year a lot has been made of their, you know, their strength level, right? They're, they just, they, they got to bulk up to be able to be full-time NHLers. They were apparently very competitive about it last year, right? Constantly weighing in, in the weight room in Belleville. And just because of the, the number of, of prospects Ottawa has in that sense, I think it makes, you know, whereas we just say something a little bit different with Brandstrom, Formanton and Norris, they can probably spend most of the year in the American league, continuing to build up their strength. And then you kind of have that Schlappick, Abramov, Balsers are more in the Ottawa sphere, maybe taxi squad, but I'm, I'm putting Abramov and Schlappick as my top two out of those three. Oh, nice. I like that. The one part about Abramov's game where I feel like they might start him in Belleville is just that no waiver requirement where you have that for Schlappick and Balsers at this point. You need to get those guys either in the NHL or in another organization. And what I liked about Schlappick's appearances in the NHL last year is that he realized that he's not going to be the playmaker he was in junior. And even in the American League, to an extent, at the NHL level, he has to change his game to a, a third, fourth-line guy who can get out there, kill penalties, and put, put other team guys through the boards in the offensive forecheck. So I hope that he can continue that because if he can, he could look good on a fourth line in the NHL too, killing penalties and, and doing all that. But, Henry, it's a uh, World Junior Preview show. Of course, we have to talk Sens, but we're all Canadians here and no Sens prospects on Team Canada this year, which is a little different. You had JBD leading the entire team in ice time last World Juniors. But what are you expecting from this Canadian team? Of course, Kirby Doc, the news coming out this morning, brutal news that he's going to be out for the entire tournament. So Canada already without their captain, but with 21st round picks, I guess now 19. 
they should be able to fill that void pretty easily. I think it's, it's gold or bust this year for Canada. Uh, again, um, although right, Russia, Russia looked good yesterday. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not going to be a cakewalk. Askarov looks pretty unbeatable, but that, uh, that Larry mixing up the way the Russians play is really interesting. Said he's going to introduce that Russian five mentality that made Detroit so successful. It's yeah, it's, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And like I said, I don't think it makes things a cakewalk for Canada, but that depth of, of, you know, legit, uh, NHL prospects that team Canada has, it's, it's really unparalleled with any other team. So, you know, it's, it's almost for me, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think for a lot of sense fans where you can really just enjoy the Canadian games as fans without any really, you know, skin in the game from a, a sense prospect lens. And then, uh, gives you a reason to tune in to a lot of the other teams, right? If Canada's not involved and, and probably, um, you know, pay very close attention, whether it's the States, Finland, or Germany. Yeah, I mean, that is kind of refreshing, not uh, being a little anxious, like hoping your Sens top prospect guy on Team Canada does well. And if he gets shuffled down the lineup, you're like, oh, no. So it is kind of nice just uh, watching them and cheering for your country. Now, who do you think Canada's biggest rival is to win gold here? Yeah, and it, I... I don't know why this, this is a very niche sense thing, but I find it so odd that Drake Batherson and Jacob Bernard Docker both assisted on the gold medal clinching goals for Canada and did not get credited with assists on either of them. Wow. Look at the tape that they're both definitely assists. Both guys, I think, finished the tournament with zero assists. We got to open this case up. IAHF, what's going on here? You know, we'll, we'll put together the clips today and then, and then we can let the people decide, right? Yeah, point but, shaving. But, uh, you know, that, that aside, yeah, Canada's biggest competition, I think, I think it's going to be the Russians, but let's not overlook Team Sweden. Their goaltender looks like he is an absolute uh, monster, much like Russia's as well. And, and you know, in, in a short tournament, uh, one game elimination type scenarios, you have a hot goalie that, uh, that can really just, that can, that can clinch things. And I don't want to get too much into Team Sweden because there's uh, no sense interest there. But I, I saw a stat today that they are still riding a 51-game consecutive winning streak in the round robin. Do you think that could come to an end this tournament? Uh, I, think, uh, I think they might be in tough. They're in a bit of a, a tough, tough division, right? The way that things have shaken out this year, I feel like Canada's got a bit of a, a lighter you know, opponent lineup. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, Sweden has definitely knocked off some, uh, some impressive opponents to be able to string together a streak that long, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. That's one that I will not be betting on <laughs> for this tournament. Just, uh, for people at home, maybe wondering what these groups are in group a this year, it's Canada, Finland, Germany, Switzerland, and Slovakia. And as Henry mentioned, the group of death, we'll call it the Russia, Sweden, USA, and Czech Republic and poor Austria having to keep their head above water in that, although they do have ninth overall pick Marco Rossi in the mix there. So that's kind of interesting as well. Two top 10 picks, both on teams where you're expecting them maybe a bottom of their group finish. So what can they do to propel their teams to at least a quarterfinal look? So Henry, final thoughts on the World Juniors. What are you expecting to be you said that Canada, it's gold or bust, and you told us who the other two kind of main competition, but out of maybe not Germany or Austria, like I mentioned, but an undercover dark horse team that maybe would be long odds, but could make an appearance, even if it's just the semifinals. 
I, I think Finland has proven that they are the, um, you know, strong bet for long shot performances in this tournament over the past five, 10 years. Uh, even if, um, you know, their, their roster this year, it was, it was funny to see it was uh, Vili Hanola in the intermission interview in the, the pre-tournament game, Finland versus the USA. The reporter asked him if he thought uh, that Finland's roster this year was stronger than the roster that won gold when he was on it uh, two years ago. And, and he, without, without, you know, missing a beat, he goes, yes, I think this team is better. Right. So, I mean, I love the, I love the gumption on, on his behalf and uh, you know, that, I think that might've just sealed my, um, you know, my, my affinity for Finland as the long shot in this tournament. And hey, you've got Robbie Yarventi, who will probably be leading the way or, or very prominent in their, in their success if they're to have any. Yeah, Finland's an interesting team in the World Juniors. I'm looking at uh, the, the recent winners for uh, medals in the tournaments, and either they win gold or they don't show up. Like, they, they've won gold, what, four times in the last six years, and then their next medal is 2006 bronze. So they, they go big or go home. So that's always interesting to watch. Final question for me here, Henry. Of all the games, doesn't matter your son's bias, your Canadian bias, which matchup are you most intrigued to watch in the round robin uh, uh, tournament here? Bit of a left field answer, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see. Um, it's, it's actually going to be on Christmas Day, but you get to see Finland versus Germany. This is prime time. You get to see Robbie Arventi versus Tim Stutzla in 4K HD, not at some early hour or late hour of the day because of time differences. Uh, it just feels like, you know, that, that feeling that I feel like we were seeing across Sens Twitter when those first Nodak Sens games were happening. It's like, thank God we've got some live action that we can really enjoy for this 2020-21 uh, calendar hockey season. So a bit of a weird one, but I've got that one circled. No, I like that a lot. And we actually put out on our Twitter as well. We're, we're the kings of lopsided polls these days. So I said, what are you more excited about this Friday? Being Christmas, you know, opening presents, traditions, that sort of thing. Or Tim Stutzla making his debut at the World Juniors. And that's at 90% of the votes, which is wild. I give you 100% of the votes in the best Twitter account to be following and Instagram, at Sends Prospects. If you're listening to this show and don't already follow it, I don't know what you're doing, but get on that. He's a friend of the show, and that means, Henry, we'll have you absolutely back once this training camp gets underway. It'll speak on, you know, New Year's Eve. We might be a little busy with uh, the World Juniors still, but once these Sens prospects graduate to the National Hockey League, you're our guy to tell us what to expect at that next level. Henry, really appreciate it. Merry Christmas, man. Happy New Year. Already looking forward to our next chat on the show. Thanks very much, guys. Merry Christmas to you as well. Hope everyone has a very happy holiday and let's enjoy this uh, World Junior action.